0: Welcome to The Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. I am your host, Bobby Williams. Please be sure to subscribe, Spotify, Apple, all of them. Subscribe so you can hear every episode. There are a lot of ideas out there about how to properly nurture your baby. Some of these ideas have been around a very long time. No one has questioned them in a while. They might be a little bit old school. Our guest today is the author of The Nurture Revolution, Dr. Greer Kirschenbaum. Dr. Greer Kirschenbaum has put a lot of thought and a lot of research into this idea of how do you properly nurture your child? In her book, she is diving into 30 nurturing myths that she will dispel and provide great alternatives to you should definitely learn more about dr Kirschenbaum's work you can find her on instagram at nurture underscore neuroscience underscore parenting you can also go to her website nurture-neuroscience.com this was an incredibly interesting engaging conversation You're gonna get a lot from this one. Check it out.
1: I think the biggest one is that babies need to be taught to self-soothe, and this is something that many of our elders, um, you know, will sort of tell us when we become parents, our our parents, our aunts, our uncles, our grandparents. Um, It's something that's been around for quite a long time, and it goes against. Many of our intuitions as parents, we you know want to help our babies. So that is the biggest one.
0: So there's the uh, the cry it out idea that a lot of parents have. So why <laughs> what's wrong with just letting them cry it out? Is that not how they learn to self-soothe?
1: Yeah, it's cry it out is probably the most extreme form hmm. um, of you know of not helping a baby to, to you know sort of go from a state of high stress to low stress which is, you know, what most people call self-soothing. It's also called self-regulation, right? And so babies are born with a very immature brain, incredibly immature brain. um, And they actually do not have the brain circuitry to go from a state of high stress to low stress or self-soothe. And and cry out is the most extreme form, but a lot of parents will also hear, you know, let your baby cry during the day alone for a few minutes, try to figure it out, learn how to calm down alone. And so a lot of people feel pressure to do this, because it's very, very pervasive advice out there. And it is it is really not teaching babies um, to strengthen their stress systems or just to learn how to self regulate.
0: Their brains just not developed enough yet. Yes, absolutely. I think it's interesting, too. It's stressful for parents when your, your baby is crying or they're frustrated. And in your book, you talk about how parents can have two stress responses. One is to just shut it down. And the other idea being to gaslight your baby. Mm-hmm. I, I never thought about you can gaslight a baby. So can you explain mm-hmm. these ideas? And then what's the better alternative there?
1: Yeah, such a good question. I think one of the sort of biggest pieces of learning to nurture in a in a brain healthy way is to start to be comfortable with emotions because both of these techniques that you mentioned are sort of trying to get rid of a baby's emotions especially the bigger emotions of anger sadness fear these sort of um, emotions that are uncomfortable and so the first way is to sort of say shh be quiet I don't want to see that you know come back when you're smiling you know i don't want to see any of these negative emotions and the gaslighting is really common um you know i've been a mom now for five years a doula for more than eight years i've seen a lot of children and babies and it's the most common way that it's done is sort of if a baby falls down and hurts themselves there you know we are and myself included we all have this impulse because we're all kind of conditioned the same way you know we'll say it's not that bad you're not bleeding you're okay you're fine, just walk it off, you know, recover quick, recover quick. Um, At the same time, the baby's really feeling intense feelings of, of pain and maybe emotions, emotional pain as well. And when we tell them they're fine, it's, it kind of teaches them that as they grow up later, if they start to feel those sensations again, that maybe they still are, you know, maybe that means they are fine right and we kind of learn to ignore our emotions that way
0: it's sort of teaching them like you can't trust really how you feel because you've been told how to feel even if it's not how you feel from the earliest point of your life
1: yeah yeah a much better approach for any emotions that our babies are having and I define babies as zero to three years old so I would say for that age group but also for older children and and adults right our whole lives right our emotions are sort of a similar kind of approach you know if something happens to someone happens to a baby they fall down in that exact example another way of saying it is how was that for you you know and sort of allowing them to say that was awful it hurt so much or yeah no big deal sometimes it is no big deal right and so sort of being curious um I think is is kind of the easiest way for us to sort of relearn some of those impulses we might have
0: and you talk about okay so zero to five and yeah i mean during that time there's so much brain development going on and i'm sure that plays into the the mental health for the rest of your life
1: Mm -hmm. yes it's i think that you know we're at a point in time where Parents know those early years are important. We sort of all sort of know there's a bit, there's some pressure there. Our early life experiences really matter in shaping our brain and our mind and our stress response, our moods, our mental health. And and the you know, sort of heart of that is that the emotional system is incredibly flexible to and incredibly sensitive to experience in infancy in these first first three years of life mainly and 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 the experiences we have especially the ones with having others help us when we're stressed interacting with us when we're playful um helping us understand our emotions those will all build the emotional system of the brain and the stress system of the brain to be able to cope with stress as we grow up and that's a really great foundation for for mental health
0: as we grow you think even more than just genetics Yeah,
1: it's a great question. So they're both involved, certainly both involved. And we sort of there's been that nurture nature debate going on forever. And, you know, now we're arrived at a position where we can really see in a lot of a lot of, you know, many, many examples. It's really a dance between nature and nurture. It's it's about 50 50 kind of an interplay of how the two interact together and we're finding out even more how much experience can really really have an impact so if we do inherit susceptibility to you know anxiety or depression or other mental health struggles nurture in those first three years of life can really make an impact on dampening the impact of those genes or possibly even silencing them
0: I think for something that's scary for a lot of parents is, what if I'm depressed as a parent and I don't want to mm-hmm. pass that along to, to my child? Like, mm-hmm. do I just sort of fake it around them? Or I've heard about the importance of making big expressions. So that teaches them expressions. Because if you're really depressed, you're not as expressive. Do you have any yeah. thoughts on all that?
1: Yeah, it's a great point. I think a lot of the parents that I work with do come you know to have my support because they have that exact concern right they've got depression in their family anxiety in their family I'm you know I've yet to meet a family that's spared of some of these mental health struggles you know these many mental health struggles we have it's incredibly common and you know the way that we can nurture our children um by really purposely engaging in certain practices so in you know, connection, like you, you would have said, right? Some of those bigger expressions, um in you know, in times of stress and also, you know, through sleep, and helping babies with sleep as well. And and if we have depression, I mean I mean, it's hard. We really want to have as much support and help as possible. But knowing that we can we can be our authentic selves and also you know be engaged in trying to practice some of this nurture as much as we can we know that we're doing our best right trying to trying to help ourselves be as supported as possible and trying to help our babies be as supported as possible and a little nurture does go a long way certainly um for our babies and then they will you know sort of have more resilience and and they can continue to pass that on
0: another interesting piece of the book that I found really interesting was the brain development side. And you hear a lot about skin to skin contact and how important that is, but it actually plays into not only a baby's brain development, but the parent's brain development too. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain mm-hmm. that idea? That's yeah. something I've never heard before. For
1: sure. I know so many people always talk about how that's so great for the baby. and you know, all, you know, all the ways that we nurture our babies, how, you know, it's for the baby, it's for the baby. It really does play a great role in us as parents, because we have a brain that is also dramatically changing in our baby's infancy. And so many of the brain areas that are formed in infancy become plastic again, as we become parents. And the more we spend sort of in the sensory exchange with our babies so skin to skin is touch smell sound um some proprioceptive input all of those signals enhanced our brains to change as parents and and actually kind of can rebuild those same emotional brain areas that were built in our infancy so you know, we have kind of a chance to make an impact in our own mental health as parents by being really close to babies and nurturing them.
0: Can you explain that a little more? Is it like you're connecting deeper with your emotions? Or what do you think is the biological reason for this change?
1: Yeah, a lot of it comes down to the hormones that are released in our body when we are in close contact with a baby. And so the way that a baby smells and feels and the whole sensory experience with a baby releases an oxytocin cascade into our brain and body. So the hormone oxytocin is released, dopamine's released, endorphins are released. And that sort of, you know, like I say, it kind of creates an what I would call a nurture bath in our brain. So you can imagine your brain kind of floating in lots of a liquid which it which it does um cerebral spinal fluid and there's a lot tons of hormones that are that are always bathing our brain and when we're in it when we're close to a baby we get a very particular cocktail like i said oxytocin dopamine endorphins a whole cascade and those hormones then kind of direct our brain areas to rearrange change um a whole part of it kind of helps us be more sensitive to a baby, more empathetic. um, And that can, you know, that can extend to all of the relationships in our lives and, and beyond.
0: Yeah. It sounds like a positive thing, but potentially disorienting in a way, like how how can parents take care of themselves while they're developing their brains?
1: Yeah, it is. I think one of the I always describe it as a metamorphosis, sort of, we were sort of a caterpillar before we're parents, and we, you know, get into the chrysalis as parents, which means we, like, in a chrysalis, it, the caterpillar doesn't just grow wings, right? The whole organism turns into a pile of goo, like you said, disorganized, kind of not shape in a particular shape. A lot of parents, you know, I experienced that a lot of parents that I work with experience that our identity is different, our mind is different, everything's different. And we sort of have to go through that process with patience and as much support as possible, you know, really highlighting as much mental health support as possible. And we do emerge a butterfly after often different new abilities and new strengths. Um, and and it does take quite a bit of time. It takes a significant number of years. I think a lot of people think babies, you know, they're babies for maybe six months or twelve months. They really are babies for these first for these three three entire years. And and we're changing that whole time too. It's much much longer than most people think.
0: This reminds me of uh, this great metaphor I've heard where when a caterpillar is in a cocoon, they have to do all that struggle to move those inside juices around. And that's how the butterfly wings are formed. And you can't be spared that. Like if you were trying to just cut open the cocoon to spare them the struggle, they just come out all gooey. So it's that struggle that makes them into a full butterfly. And Mm -hmm. that's very true to life and suffering and developing as a person.
1: Yes, I never thought of that last step of that metaphor. And it's absolutely true. I did just read that recently. Um, you do have to go th- get through it, right? You'd have to go through it to get out. Yeah, completely.
0: So a big focus of yours is sleep. And a lot of parents have this very like 7pm, baby is down. This time they wake up. This time is the nap and very specific times for a sleep schedule. And how important is a sleep schedule like that?
1: Yeah, there's so many incredibly rigid sleep schedules out there. And I think it's a source, a huge source of anxiety and and depression for many of the parents that I see. They're given books with the schedule. There's experts online who are giving out these schedules, all kinds of places. Um, And really, when we look at the physiology of sleep in a baby, um, we can see that babies take the sleep that they need to replenish their brain. And so a much more realistic approach is to spend lots of quiet time with our baby as much as we can, start to understand what their tired cues are. And as soon as we do, they will tell us, I'm tired, I'm ready for a nap. I'm tired I'm ready to go to sleep for the night um, and and that's a much more realistic thing once parents kind of figure that out and learn to go by the tired cues so much so much anxiety goes out the window because um, many babies will not follow a schedule like um you know rigid schedule like a lot of parents here
0: well, I thought the book was just totally incredible and interesting. The nurture revolution. Um, do you have any there's so much in it too, that we're we're really only skimming the surface with this. Mm-hmm. Do you have any closing thoughts or ideas that you want to leave the audience with? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think my goal for this book was to reach as many babies as possible. I think we can make and parents I think we can make a huge difference in the next generations um mental health physical health and the health of bigger systems in our world by really really nurturing our babies and our parents um we can create more peace more compassion more empathy and and I think that is what is what everyone is needing these days so um I hope everyone enjoys it who picks it up and and shares it as much as possible
0: you're contributing to a better world tomorrow. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Dr. Kirschenbaum, The Nurture Revolution. Get it on Amazon or wherever quality books are sold. It was great having you on the show. I'm Bobby Williams. This has been The Parental Compass by Family Education and Support Services. We'll see you next episode. Peace.